Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. All right, so today I'm here with Pennsylvania County School Superintendent Mark Jones. Dr. Jones, thanks for being here. Uh, good morning, uh, Caleb, and thank you for having me. So really, you know, I wanted to talk to you today about the uh, 1% sales tax increase that's on the ballot for Pennsylvania County this November. I mean, just as background, I think at this point, you know, most people know sort of what happened that that was on the ballot last year, or I should say a similar similar referendum was on the ballot last year, failed by 14 votes, um, which in the grand scheme of the 30,000 plus people that voted, that's that's an incredibly thin margin. Uh, so that that was put on the ballot again this year, but I know there were some slight adjustments. So so one, tell us a little bit about that referendum, and you know, sort of what 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 the even the wording for the referendum is too, and then also you know what those changes were that were made between last year's version and this year. Yeah, the referendum was approved by the General Assembly for uh, certain counties in Virginia, and it allows a county, if passed, to um, have a one cent sales tax targeted specifically for the renovation of and uh, construction of schools, the public schools, uh, can't be used for anything else. can be used for salaries, can't be used for equipment. It's specific for renovations for schools. And, you know, our county is large. We have, we're the largest county by land area. Uh, we're the 30th largest by student population. Hmm. I mean, we have some schools that, that are aging, you know, getting, getting older. I mean, we have 26 mobile units. Uh, that students currently have, have had 10 classes in. And we have several classrooms that open up to the outside just because of the way the buildings are constructed. And so we, sh- we surely want, for safety reasons, want to bring those children inside of, of buildings. So safety is our first priority uh, in the renovations of our schools. Uh, again, to bring the children inside out of mobile units so they can move freely uh, to classes from lunch to recess, uh, inside of a building so they're safe behind locked doors and we always have our out exterior doors are locked our classroom doors are locked and we have a buzz entry system where if a visitor comes uh, they can hit a buzzer and then they can be identified we have a camera there that identifies the visitor and then they can speak with someone in the office and that person can't allow them to come in uh, in some of our, our newer buildings, we have something called a safety vestibule, which is like a double entry. So parents can come into, get out of the rain, get out of the weather, or visitors can get out of the rain and weather, come into the building, but then they have another set of doors right. that they have to like buzz Like a checkpoint. Into. Checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And so that is part of our safety, in our safety plan, is to construct safety vestibules up in our buildings. Which at this point, those are pretty common practice in, in schools across the country. Like that's a pretty pretty standard practice, correct? For newer schools, it is. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how our schools are set up, we usually have a, an entryway. Some I, I call it a vestibule right now, but it's a single door. Mm-hmm. So our older schools are set up nicely to construct a safety vestibule. Um, but but so that that is our first priority is mm-hmm. the safety of our schools. You know, we've been working with the Sheriff's Department to enhance safety mm-hmm. uh, for years now. He, his, his officers and he are, are on our safety teams. Uh, we have collaborated, collaborated with him on our maps of schools. They're now digitized or we're digitizing them. Uh, we're providing him access in emergency situations to our cameras. And so we, we feel very good about that relationship and improving safety. But uh, both he and I agree we can never be too safe. 
And so this is surely needed in our schools. As well as, you know, we, we have buildings that are as old as 84 years old. And so we have some renovations that we need to do those buildings as far as windows or window replacements to enhance uh, energy efficiency and then also to improve our HVAC units. So I think, you know, with, with this sales tax increase, and I think one of the most common responses I heard last year and definitely this year too is what about the lottery? You know, why doesn't the lottery pay for this? Why doesn't the Virginia, they, the schools get money from the Virginia lottery? Why should, why should we increase the sales tax? Can you touch on that and, and sort of why, where that money from the lottery goes and why it's not enough for these projects? Yeah, the, the lottery, we do, public schools do receive a portion of lottery proceeds. Um, and some of that has supplanted basic aid in the general, form, the general fund formula. Uh, we do receive some money for construction from the lottery, uh, but it's not near enough to cover the expenses that, that we have in the division. So uh, it's the, the lottery money, we receive it, uh, but some of it is targeted to, to replace some general fund money. Uh, some money comes t- for school construction, but it's not enough. I mean, you're talking about it not being enough just for the scale. The, the plan that you guys have right now is about $50 million worth of projects. So that 1% sales tax increase, basically that means if someone goes to a convenience store, if they spend $5, they're going to spend an extra $0.05. Cents. And through that revenue, that's an extra about $3.8 million a year are the current estimates of that. So that's that's the kind of scale we're working with is, you know, for individual purchases, you're not going to feel it, but that's going to generate a significant amount of revenue to cover the financing for these $50 million worth of safety operational projects. Yes, you're right. The sales tax, um, is it doesn't tax groceries. It doesn't tax medications. Uh, but it will generate, based upon um, numbers from our last estimate, about $3.8 million per year for school construction, which over the, uh, the 19 years would be about $72 million. Mm-hmm. So we looking at finance fees and interest, we can finance about $50 million worth of capital projects. Yeah, I mean, I know last year, I mean, the Board of Supervisors was very vocal and very supportive of this and has been, it's, it's been the same this year. Finding that much money to cover those projects and from other places in the budget, that, that would be very difficult. So this, this is a, a, a great opportunity that was, as you said, you know, the General Assembly passed this bill. That was a great opportunity provided by the General Assembly to, to cover these costs. These things will come to you because of the age of our buildings. Uh, We'll have to replace roofs. We'll have to replace windows and HVAC units. Just to rebuild a chiller in a school costs $100,000. To purchase a new one, it's right now $200,000. These are expensive items. These these things will come due. And our Board of Supervisors has been very supportive of this. In the past, these types of expenses have really been handled through a real estate tax. And this gives the county a different mechanism to find funds in a different way to pay for needs that, that are co- going to come to you in the next 20 years for the school division. Every board of supervisors meeting, the point they keep hitting is, you know, it's not just Pennsylvania County residents that pay for it. You know, sales tax, that's people travel through Pennsylvania County. People go to restaurants in Pennsylvania County. People make purchases in Pennsylvania County that don't live here. So that generates revenue from people that, that aren't just property owners in Pennsylvania County, which, as you said, historically, that's where the burden falls. Very much so. Yeah, visitors. Everyone pays. We purchase something in Pennsylvania County. 
You're talking in the beginning about the mobile units. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, sort of where those mobile units are. What's what's the what's the what's the benefit of replacing them? I mean, why why should it? Why is it not okay that students are in mobile units right now? They're not attached to the school building, so there's not a hallway, a safe hallway that children travel to these to these units. So children come into the school. They probably get off their buses in the morning, travel through the building, and then travel outside to get to their classroom. So that in itself creates, uh, you know, a, a supervision uh, issue for principals to be sure those children are supervised. Mm-hmm. L- let's say a child who's in the mobile unit gets sick or has to use the restroom. Then generally this, the teacher would give the student a pass. They come into the building. So that's another opportunity for that child to be unsupervised as they go into, you know, our, our teachers have 20, 25 children in classrooms. And then these mobile units are getting older too. These mobile units, uh, you know, they're probably 30, 40 years old. So in themselves, they need repair. Talking about, you know, even the supervision aspect, what you were talking about earlier with, you know, with safety and, and things like that. I know, uh, obviously, God forbid, there be a, an active shooter situation in a Pennsylvania County school, but I know that presents a whole other set of complications if it's, yeah, they're sort of stranded out there yeah, at that are. point. They are. It's something that, that we hope never happens, but we surely want to be prepared, you know, if if it does. And you're right, they're out there. Um, and so that teacher and that, that student body would have to, you know, lock their doors. They have windows there in the units. Um, so they are kind of, they're separate. They're not protected by the, the walls of the school. At one point, at one point last year, I remember the the number was higher for the 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 total project amount. I know you guys have found other funding funding mechanisms to cover some of these projects. So tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, we the school division during the pandemic received uh, funds from the federal government, uh, CARES Act money and ESSER funds, and and we used a good portion of that uh, to pay for for renovations, um, HVAC things that we could use this money for. We have. Um, found other pots of money to draw this amount down. Um, and I think our division has been, and our school board has been very creative in doing this and taking that burden off of our taxpayers. It's, it's about $16 million that we have found in other ways to do this. We were talking about in the past, you know, that generally this burden fell on property owners. That, that's generally where the burden has fallen to, to replace to build new schools, to, to fund renovations and things like that. Tell us a little bit more about, and I know you've, you've only been here, a few, you haven't been here for a lot of those, those previous bonds, but tell us a little bit about some of those other bonds that were passed in school renovations in the past couple decades. And even, you know, I, I know there's still debt flowing from those. So, so talk a little bit about that. You know, I, I, I was away for eight years as superintendent of the division, but I was here during that time, but I wasn't in the role of superintendent. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't didn't have access to that information. But in 96, we constructed uh, Twin Springs and Grutton Elementary School. And those are our, right now, two of our new, those are our newest elementary schools. And they were built in 96. Then in 2004, we opened our four middle schools. And that was quite uh, just, I think, a very prideful uh, time for our county that we opened the four middle schools and support that we had there. Most recently, we've renovated our high schools. And we, we opened the new high schools in 2010. So we've done that. This is just the piece that's left remaining uh, that, that's co- coming due. And then those are our older elementary schools. There are eight of them that, we, that we're going to renovate in this project. We're going to, because Twin Springs and Gretton Ale were constructed during a time when many parents put their children on school buses, today we have more parents driving. 
we're going to work with those schools to improve the drop-off pickup for parent. Um, so those those two schools, Twin Springs and Gretna, will do that. We'll uh, change the traffic flow patterns there to get the parents off the main roads there onto the school grounds as best we can. And then we've seen quite a demand uh, for students wanting to take classes at our current technical center, as well as business and industry wanting you know, to hire graduates. So we want to expand the opportunities there. Yeah, no, and I know that's, as you mentioned, business and industry, that's a huge component of our regional economic development push uh, is that career and technical center and something that everyone speaks very highly of. We are generally a high achieving school division. How much better do we get with, with these projects? You know, how does that improve our outlook moving forward as, 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 as Pits- for Pennsylvania County schools? I think the pandemic kind of opened our eyes to how technology can help a school division because the county had not had broadband access you know throughout the entire county you know we uh, we had kind of held off on a one-to-one initiative many school divisions have done that one-to-one meaning a device a computer a chromebook for, for every child through the pandemic you know we we saw that need uh, and come and we're given federal dollars to help us to fulfill that and so we we use some of our federal dollars to help us move towards a one-to-one initiative. Mm-hmm. We've also partnered with the county and leveraged some of our federal dollars to help the county bring broadband broadband access. So that, that helps us uh, as well as helps business and industry and just people relocating to the county. So this sales tax referendum will help us to further improve our technology in the schools. And this really will help us to enhance, you know, the technology in our buildings. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And as we've been talking about, you know, this is on the ballot in November, but with early voting, that's still a thing. You know, I was just looking at the calendar. It's it's a month and a half when people can start actually voting on this. Um, so just for everyone listening, you know, first day of early voting in person at the local elections office in Chatham, that's September 23rd. The deadline to register to vote is October 17th. And the deadline for a to have a ballot mailed to you is October 28th. Uh, and then election day is Tuesday, November 8th. But Dr. Jones, I mean, that's all the that's all the questions that I got. Is there anything else you'd want to add or anything else you think people need to know? You know, just traditionally, our, our schools, have, our students have done very well on a, a standards learning test compared across the state. So, you know, the return on investment, I think, is very high here for Pennsylvania County uh, as far as uh, student academic outcomes. And we have really a dedicated staff that works hard to ensure that, that kids are learning at high levels. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.